Let's turn over to Song of Solomon, chapter 2. That's not a, a book of the Bible that we use a lot, so you got to go to your table of contents. That's cool. So when you're there, say amen. All right, we got one quick person. Yeah, Song of Solomon, chapter 2. And we're going to read verses 10 through 17. It's funny because uh, we've been going through some, some various things, and, um, you know, over the last year, there's a lot of warfare that our family dealt with in terms of physical things, in terms of financial things. I mean, just stuff coming from every angle. And, you know, sometimes they say that uh, the enemy throws everything at you, plus, you know, but the kitchen sink, he threw everything in the kitchen sink. Amen? Hit me over the head with the sink when I was down. But you know what? Thank God that he got me back up. So the enemy, you know, meant things for evil, but God meant it for good. And, and the thing is, you know, the God, God has taken us into a, a period now where it's almost like a period of rest and a, a period in which he's reversing a lot of things. And the things that the palmer worm and the canker worm have, have tried to eat up, he's restoring a lot of those things. But the funny thing about that is that in the midst of this, there's been a lot of little silly things popping up lately. People saying things and doing things that are odd or they seem to come up spur of the moment. As I was looking at this, I started praying after one particular thing happened this week. And as I was praying, the Lord gave me the, gave me the phrase, beware the little foxes. Amen? And I was like, Lord, you know I don't like that verse. Out of the whole thing of Scripture, when they talk about foxes, it, it seems to be negative. So I was like, Lord, you know I don't like that passage of Scripture, so I ain't trying to go there. Amen? But he's like, no, you're going to go there, and you're going to be an enlightened. Amen? So, so even though it says one thing, uh, I guess if I had to give this, this a message a title, it would be, Beware the Jackals. Beware the Jackals. Amen? Praise the Lord. So anyway, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verses 10 through 17 says, My beloved spake and said unto me, Rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. For lo, the winter is past, the rain is over and gone. The flowers appear on the earth, the time of the singing of birds is come, and the voice of the turtle is heard in our land. The fig tree ripeneth her, fig, her green figs, and the vines are in blossom. They give forth their fragrance. Arise, my love, my fair one, and come away. O oh, my dove, that art in the clefts of the rock, in the covert of the steep place, let me see thy countenance, let me hear thy voice, for sweet is thy voice, and thy countenance is comely. Take us the foxes, the little foxes, that spoil the vineyards, for our vineyards are in blossom. My beloved is mine, and I am his. He feedeth his flock among the lilies, until the day be cool, and the shadows flee away. Turn, my beloved, and be thou like a roe or a young heart upon the mountains of Bether. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we just praise and thank you, Father, for the revelation of your word. And I do praise you, Father, that even though, as I stated, I'm not fond of that particular verse, I still obeyed your word and I looked into this passage of scripture and I studied it and saw that there is certain principles that you want to bring forth in our lives, Father. So I do thank you, Father, for the revelation and, and ask you, Father, to show me how to give it out effectively to your people today, that we would ingest it, that we would live by it, that it would warn us and guide us and give us wisdom from on high as we deal with various trials and tribulations. And I praise and thank you, Father. Give me the glory and honor, Father, for these things. In the precious name of Jesus, I pray. Amen.
Praise the Lord. So as we see here, it talks about take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vineyards. But before we see that, it's a very poetic passage of Scripture. As a matter of fact, to a man, it's kind of a little bit on the too mushy or romantic side. So it's kind of a little bit too fluffy for my personal taste. But, you know, I know women as they see this, you know, the Song of Solomon, it's a song, it's poetic and, and things like that. You know, you get all warm and fuzzy and you hear the sounds of violins playing, amen? So, you know, that's the way it goes. So, I, you know, I had to suck it up and I had to read it and study it. And um, one of the things to see here is that it says initially that low, and see that word there, low, is something that's trying to draw our attention. You know, as I stated, there's times over the past year or several years back that we've been going through trials and tribulations, and many in the body of Christ have been going through some of the most difficult times since they were saved. We look back 20 years, and things seem to be just so much easier than we didn't have people being laid off for a year without any hope of finding a job. We didn't have the kind of health crises that we've had over the last year. The things that we had to do to stand upon our faith so many years ago seem to be so much easier than they are now because when you're you know, standing on the Word of God and holding close to His presence and to His, to his altar, you know, you're hanging on for dear life now. Amen? So, but the thing I like here, it says, Lo, or look, behold, get the revelation of the fact that the winter is past. Amen? In other words, the cold, dry, or bleak period in your life has passed. And he's trying to get us to the place where either we realize that we've gone out of those cold, dry, bleak areas into now the new, improved place in which we have a place of rest, a place of, of, of peace, a place of new opportunities. He wants us to either to at least be aware of it or, if it hasn't arrived yet, be in anticipation of the fact that God's going to get you there. Amen? Hallelujah. So you may still be in that winter place right now. You're shivering in the cold. You're back into the corner. It says, hey, God, when are things going to warm up in my life? When are things going to get easy? And I'm here to tell you today that God says he does have a period of rest that he's about to take each one of us into. Amen? Praise God. And I like the fact, but it talks about this in the Word of God, what God will do for us in these times and these seasons where we're dealing with the winter. Isaiah 43, 16 says, Thus saith the Lord, which maketh a way in the sea, and a path in the mighty waters, which bringeth forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They shall lie down together, they shall not rise. They are extinct, they are quenched as tow. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing, now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So as I said, you may have just come out of your winter place or you might be in it. But thank God that the time is coming, amen, that the enemy is about to get his, amen. You know, I like the fact, what was it, um, in the Browns at the end where Medea was talking to um, Dr. Phil. And he's like, well, why are you so angry? Why are you so valiant? Why do you got to do these things? And she's like, I got I to get them before I get got. So you got to get got before you get got. And then you got to get them before they get got. And he's sitting there dizzy and confused. Like, what in the world are you talking about? But basically, she was like, why am I going to sit here and wait for myself to get attacked? If I know they're going to attack me, I'm going to get them first. Amen? Now, with us being in the body of Christ, we're not going to do that against people. But as we're dealing with powers and principalities and rules of darkness and wicked places, don't sit back there looking passive and saying, oh, I'm going to sit here like limp-wristed Christian, walking on the tulips, looking all sissified.
God, amen, waiting for the enemy to trample you on the foot, amen. Instead, arm yourself up with your full weapons of your armor, be poised and ready at hand, and sometimes you got to be willing to get out there and pick a fight with the enemy, amen. When you see him about to attack you, sometimes you need to kick him in the teeth first. So we're past the days in which we were supposed to be limp-wristed, Sissified Christians. God is looking for a few good men and women to join the armed forces of the Lord that are armed to the teeth, taking no prisoners, and ready to get out there in the battlefield and meet him anywhere he wants to engage in battle. Amen? But see, here's the thing. The enemy wants to use our trials and tribulations, our circumstances, especially the ones that are long in, in, in endurance. The things you've prayed about and prayed about and prayed about that aren't going away. The enemy wants to use those things to wear you down to the point that you say, here I am, stunk in this wintry place, and there's no way whatsoever I'm ever going to get out of it. Amen? But here's the Lord's answer. Thus saith the Lord who maketh a way in the sea. See, the enemy tries to drown you out. Amen? He tries to cut you off the path. He tries to block you off and keep you from getting to your destination in him. But we see here that we serve the God that makes a way in the sea. Amen? Whether he needs to give you a boat to get across or if he got to part the waters, wherever it takes to get you to the other side, into your promised land, God says, I'm the one that will make it happen. And matter of fact, he goes further. He says, if your enemies try to get in your path, you know what I'll do? I won't sit here and deal with this one over here. I'll deal with this one on Tuesday. I'll deal with this one on Thursday. Oh, he didn't really pick on you you yet, so I'll wait till next Friday. No, he said, you know what? I'm going to wait for all your enemies to rise up at once. And here we see here, with all their chariots, all their horse horses, all their armies, their powers, their nuclear missiles, their entanglements, their schemes, all the things that they can hurl your way, God says, I'll make them all lie down together. Amen? So I ain't going to sit here and play pity pat with them. I ain't going to play with kid gloves. I'm not going to say, oh, I'll deal with this one now, but I ain't quite ready to deal with this one. Maybe you could work something out and negotiate it. God says, no, I'm going to take every one of them suckers and I'm going to smite them all at one time. Amen? Smite them all at one time. And the word here says they are extinct, extinguished, expired, dried up. I like to think of the word, too, like the dinosaurs. The word extinct means to be petrified, fossilized. Amen? You ever see one of them things where you go to a museum and you see one of those skeletons of a T-Rex or you see one of those, um, uh, those, those troglodytes or something like that? And, and, um, and what was it? That, that stuff. Um, it's like they're fossilized, but it's like um, a clear, like a crystal. I mean, a crystallized substance where you can see through it. And even though that thing hasn't decayed, you know, and, and rotted out where you can't see it or there's only parts of it, it's literally frozen in time at the place that it is. God says he'll do the same thing to the things attacking you. They think they have power. They think they have authority. They think they're going to snuff you out of your life. God says, I will freeze them out. I will snuff them out, and I will render them totally extinct. And matter of fact, the reason I'll fossilize them is so that you have a testimony to go back and say, look what God did. Amen? That's what happens to the enemies of the Lord. Look at all those fossils. Look at all those skeletons. Look at all the dead carcasses in the road that try to snuff me out on my path to glory in Jesus Christ. Amen? Praise the Lord. So God renders them extinct. Whoo! Extinguished, expired, dried up, petrified, fossilized. Amen? And it says they're also quenched as tow. That word quenched means to snuff out, to dampen out the fire of, to drown it out, but the thing I like about it is it says it's quenched as tow. See, not only will God drown your enemies when they try to, to wipe you out, but as they try to rise again, he said, you know what? I'm going to put an anchor on that sucker, concrete blocks. I'm going to do it mafia style, amen, so that not only will I drown them, 
hallelujah, in, 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 in the waters that they try to snuff you out in, but I'll lay a weight on them so if they try to rise back up, uh-oh, I got an anchor on me. I got a ball and chain. I can't get up to rise up and attack the people of God again. Amen? So God drowns them out, lays a weight on them, and he ensures the fact that they will never rise again in your life. So what does that tell us? You know, if you had something that's been recycling in your life, something that's come back and forth and you thought you beat it, it's not a case of you failing. Maybe it's just not the time in which God gets it to that perfect place where he can smite all your enemies at once. You know, I've talked before about how I struggled with asthma. Three and a half years of misery, staying up 2, 2.30 in the morning. Poor Pam, every, almost every night, hear me hacking up my guts, taking pills that made my heart race. Sometimes having to go to the emergency room and breathe on these tubes that hurt my chest as it was breaking up all the mucus and stuff built up inside my lungs. And there was times where I prayed and I truly believed that God had me healed. I was thanking God and believing him in his word. And I would go through maybe a week or so where I was good. And then all of a sudden something would happen, it would trigger it and would come back even worse than before. And I would have to double my medication. The enemy actually threw something my way, one of those little jackals to try to get in your way and cause you little problems and agitate you, snip at your heels, using a doctor, wrote out a prescription and say, hey, say hello to your wife. I was like, oh, devil is a liar. Amen. I married one wife. She kind of cute. I ain't married no pills. I married, I lay next to somebody every night that's kind of cute. I ain't married nobody else. I ain't married to no pills. Amen. So I took that as a, a direct challenge from the devil, amen? It might have been a doctor, but as far as I was concerned, it might have been Satan himself staring me in my eyes, said, say hello to your wife, the medicine, amen? So I took that as a challenge, and after that, I prayed, I fasted, I continued to pray and pray and pray, and finally, God swore asthma, and it has no power over my life anymore, amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So here's the thing. It says that God quenches these things as toe. He snuffs them out. He prevents them from coming back. And then he tells us in verse 18, remember you not the former things. Now, he's not telling us to forget them. He's saying, in other words, don't sit there going around on a daily basis dwelling on them, wondering if they're going to come back into your life. Going through life spiritually, God's saying, I got this in front of you, and you just going through life, and they're going to get me? They're going to sucker punch me? They're going to sneak up behind me and ambush me? God says, remember not the former things. In other words, don't spend your time focusing on that mess. Amen? Whether it was something that you stumbled in because of foolishness or, or youth, if it's something that you did because of sin, whatever it is, he says, remember these things not. Move on, in other words. Don't sit there dwelling on the past. You've got too many things in front of you that are of value for you to worry about things that are in the past. Whether it's mistakes, sins, people, relationships, jobs, whatever it may be. No matter how, how far you may have fallen in the past, God has so many great things in store for you that it makes the things from the past pale in comparison. Amen? Even though in your own mind you may think, I've lost something I can never regain. Amen? See, God's not a God of you might get partial back. He's not a God of, okay, you blew it one time too many, and you can never recover from what you did this time. Amen? We serve a God as a God of new opportunities. We just sang it earlier today. Amen? Great is his faithfulness, and his mercies are new every morning. Great is the faithfulness of God. He says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? See, that's the thing. Sometimes God will get you out of that wintry place and into a new horizon, a new opportunity, a new plateau where he says, I got so much stuff lined up for you. But the question here is, shall you not know it? See, are you up in a new plateau in the Lord? 
but you're still with the mindset of somebody that's still stuck back in the muck and mire of the mistakes and the misery and the family problems and the job situations and the bad financial credit and all the different things. What mindset do you have? Do you even realize that God is trying to get you to new places? That's what we have to worry about. Amen. Not, we don't have to worry about the enemy. We have to worry about the mindset, the stinking thinking that's between these ears. Amen? That gray matter that trips us up from time to time. You know, that's why the word tells us, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. You've got to think positively about yourself. And I ain't talking about some new age stuff, modern positive, 12 tracks of thinking, 15 steps of this. I'm talking about positive thinking in God according to his word and what his word says about you and what your capabilities are. Amen? So God tells us that the winter is past, the rain is over and gone, and now is a time in which new things are starting to blossom up in our lives. And do that t- during, in that time, as things are blossoming, one of the first things he says is to arise. And I like that. Arise, my love. Amen? See, in other words, don't stay down there where you were before. And the thing is, the place where you were before might have been pretty good. It may not be no sin. May not be any shame, nothing like that. But God says, when I'm trying to take you into a new place, I don't want you to stay down there. Why would I make a new place if I want you to stay where you were before? So arise and come away from that. Amen? Come up and be separated from the things. Be separated from the residue from the past, from the storms from the past, from the philosophies, situations, mistakes, and sometimes the people from the past. You can't necessarily go to new places with the same people. If you can, praise God, take them along with you, amen? If you can, praise God, be side by side with them. But if you can't, amen, and you got a choice of moving on in God or staying where you're at, you need to separate yourself. You need to do like the Jeffersons and move on up. Move it on up. <laughs> you got to be like George. <laughs> moving on up. I'll see y'all next week. I'll see y'all at the reunion. But I'm moving on up, Amen. <laughs> So the word God tells us in 2 Corinthians 6, it talks about that. Now, it's primarily dealing with not fellowshipping with people that are of unequally yoked with us and fulfilling the works of darkness, unclean lives, sinful lives, and things like that. But it does tell us in verse 17, Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. So there's times that he wants us to separate. We've got to realize that if God's taking us into a new season, it doesn't mean that everybody else is in, the na- in this new season. Amen? They might be. Whether it might be a church going to a new season, it could be a job or a family going to a new season. But just because you're associated with something from a group perspective doesn't mean that when God's leading you to a new season that everybody else is in that new season. So you may be going through various things. You're sensing things in the spirit. God's speaking to you and you're saying, hey, this is what God has for me. You go to that person because they're associated with you by church or group affiliation or family affiliation. And they're like, what are you talking about? I don't get it. So don't think because you're in a new season that everybody else is. And see, the thing is, even if they are in a new season, that doesn't mean that their new season is equivalent to yours. That doesn't mean that theirs is any worse or any better than yours. It just means that you might be in a new place, in a new season, or a new journey, and whether you're going to the left and they're going to the right, you're going there up and they're going down. I mean, there's nothing wrong with either way. Each one of the seasons is unique and good in, in, in and of itself, but it doesn't mean that because you're in a new season that you're in the same place that they are. Amen? Once again, you're not judging yourself as better. You're not saying that their way is the wrong way and yours is right. It's just that 
God is doing unique things for each one of us individually, amen, or corporately in some situations. So what you got to do is realize that if God is moving your life and he's giving you a realization that he's doing something new, something bright, spanking new, and he's blossoming these things in your life, you have to realize that you have to walk more in conjunction with what he's telling you to do than what people around you are telling you to do, regardless of whether they understand or agree with it. Because if you don't move on as God is leading you, you're going to find yourself stagnant while they might be moving in conjunction with what God is saying. So you got to align yourself with what God is speaking into your life in this time and season, even if everybody around you may not necessarily be feeling it. And sometimes it requires a separation to prevent the changes in your life from being hindered. Once again, that doesn't mean that you got to cut people off and we're not friends anymore and I'm angry and got animosity. I mean, you don't have to burn any bridges, but there's times in which you guys just, in an amicable fashion, say, hey, God bless you. It's been good while we were on the ride together. But now there's a fork in the road. I got to go to the left. You got to go to the right. And hey, it's all good. Praise God for what he's doing in your life. I hope he prospers you in every avenue. But I can't go that road with you. My road is going in a different direction. And hey, if we're blessed, maybe God will bring us back together at some point. So that's the thing. In the body of Christ, we think sometimes that if everybody ain't going to the beat of the same drummer, that, oh, you're in sin. You're not hearing from God. And that's not the case. God is so diverse. And the things and the characteristics and the traits and the calls that he's made on each one of our lives. And each one of us is so uniquely packaged to be able to fulfill the things that God has for us. Why are we all time trying to be like somebody else and trying to go the same way? Amen? And why is it in the body of Christ that people, when you see somebody going out to a, a new horizon, a new opportunity, that people are in the body of Christ are either jealous of that person or because they can't quite understand it or it's not their time, they've got to try to pull back on the other person. Amen? Instead of helping the person, hey, how can I help you get to that new destiny you're seeing? Amen? God gave you a revelation of a new opportunity. Well, what can I do to help you get to that new horizon? Because you know what? If I help you get up that step, who knows? Or get up that ladder, who knows? When you get to the top of the ladder, God might speak to that person and say, before you get off the ladder and keep moving, turn around and pull that person up. Amen? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So going on to a new phase in life doesn't mean that people are less righteous or more mature than anybody. Nobody's better. Nobody's new or improved. We're all unique in God, and we just have to realize that all of our journeys may not necessarily go into the same direction. Amen? Now, he told us in the Word here, it says that there's new things coming forth, and God wants us to come, aw- come away the things that were in the past, and that now the vineyards are in blossom. But the question we already saw is that, shall you not know it? Do you realize and appreciate the fact that God is bringing forth new things in your life? The Word of God tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 3 that there is times of life that we're dealing with. Particularly as we're talking about this situation here, there's a season in which you're born, there's a time where you die, there's a time where you plant, and there's a time that you pluck up. Amen? And if God has brought you into a season in which you're in the plucking up process... You know, I was just looking at that, and when I think of plucking up, I just think like, okay, go over, grab the plants, and take them up, or maybe take a, a, a scythe or a sickle and, and cut them up. But that word in the Hebrew, it means to pluck it up by the roots. Amen? In other words, get the full harvest of what God has for you. Get it all. Dig it all up. See, sometimes God has something for you, and you're sitting there, and you're saying, you know what? Well, I know you're blessing me now. 
you're meeting this need, you're doing this, you're doing that. And I know you told me to pluck it up by the roots, Lord. But see, if I pluck it up by the roots, there won't be anything to generate plants in the next season. So, you know what, I'll just leave the roots there and I'll take the, the stems or the buds off the top. Amen? But no, God says, dig it up by the roots. See, in other words, you ain't going to have to worry about the next harvest. Dig up what I'm giving you now because sooner or later there's going to be another harvest. And see, here's the thing. You don't have to worry about God sustaining you in that new season, providing all your nourishment. He's got a new field already planted for you. Amen? Based upon labors and fruit that you may not even know that you've sown in. Amen? Praise the Lord. So you're in a season where God is allowing you to reap, reap to the fullest. Amen? We just had the blessing this week. There's times where, you know, working in the field, being self-employed, there's times where I'm going two or three months without a check. I remember one time years ago, I mean, God help us, we had four bank accounts, savings, checking, business checking, ministry checking. Between the four, $114. I went from six figures, $117,000, to poverty level, where I can't even remember what the exact amount, but for a family of four, if you measured the poverty level, we were kicking its rear end. I mean, I mean, if poverty level for a family of four was like 37,000, we were just like, y'all got to bring the bar a lot down lower to meet where we're at right now. Amen? <laughs> but see, God still met every need. Because even in that situation, we were still operating under God's principles. Times where I would go two or three months, no paycheck. But every week I went to church, put at least $25. And sometimes I put the 25 and like, well, I got five more in my wallet. <laughs> but God is good. God's going to bless. Amen? God's going to bless. So you've got to trust God. So like I said, when you're, when you're dealing with him, he's saying pull up the harvest and reap in the, the things that you've done. Don't hesitate. Don't worry about what's going to be there in the future. Don't worry about pe people being jealous that you're in the time of, of harvest right now. Grab that stuff and get it all. Get it all. Hallelujah. And, and you know, one thing that God showed me, and I even said this a couple weeks ago, when, when I had a, um, some funds come in from a situation where, and here's the thing, I didn't even seek the current job situation. I'm minding my business. The guy finds me out on the Internet and says, hey, can I talk to you about opportunity? Amen. And then even when the thing was supposed to start, we were supposed to sign a contract. I kept giving the guy hints like, contract? <laughs> contract? Sign contract. And it's like, he's, you know, he's just not responding. I'm just like, you know, I can't work. And, and they're saying that they pay once a month. I was like, a week, two weeks, maybe I can go with you. But a whole month working on blind faith and giving you software that y'all can keep. And I may not receive the fruit of my labors. But at a certain point, you know, Pam and I prayed about it. And said, I got a good feeling about this guy. He was going to pray and trust God and just keep going. And then one day, like two weeks in, I get a signed contract. It's supposed to be a one-month project. I'm going into my fourth month. Amen? And just reaping and reaping. Amen? Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord. After all the labors and the struggles and the things, but even during the struggles, refusing to compromise on the things of God and the principles of God, specifically, not only in the, in the in spiritual things, but also in the area of money. Refusing to compromise. And I just remember like a couple weeks ago, I was just received a check and I was writing the tithes check out. And I was like, Lord, I was like, man, I just love giving money to your kingdom. I was like, just keep it coming. Amen? Just keep my money coming. See, I ain't trying to get rich. I want to bless God's kingdom. And I had a time this week, three checks back to back to back, three days in a row, with the Lord just blessing, because he know my attitude is as soon as I get a check in, I'm ready to cut a check out. Give to your kingdom. Amen? Praise the Lord. 
God can bless you tremendously a lot of times in these seasons, amen? Deuteronomy 28, you'll read this later, it just talks about all the various blessings that overtake us when we're fulfilling the word of God and we're doing his business, amen? And we have the right mindset, we have the right attitude, we're pursuing the things of God without compromise. My question is, if God is blessing you tremendously, why would you ever want it to end? Amen? So why would you do something that would take you out of the blessing zone, in other words? My other question is, why is it sometimes that these seasons are ended, hindered, or compromised by people surrounding you, or by people suddenly being inspired to pop up from your past to cause trouble, anxiety, or even minor frustrations or confusion? Why these things occur? And that's when God took me, like I said, to this scripture. Beware the little foxes. Beware the little foxes. And see, here's the thing. Even in the midst of this passage of scripture, it said that God had took, taken the person and put them in the clefts of the rock. So they're basically in a secure zone. I mean, you can't get much more comfortable and more safe and nourished than being in the cleft of the rock of the Lord. But yet, even in the midst of that, God says, still watch out for the little foxes. That just shows you, you could be fully hidden in God's full protection, but the enemy still going to send distractions and skirmishes our way, not to hurt us because he knows he really can't get to us, but to take our eyes off where we are in the Lord and where God has us sealed in his rock of protection. Amen? And here's the thing that's really trouble. Sometimes, even among your fellow saints, they may not be as, as diligent to pursue these things, but they try to get you to come out of the cleft into the war zone. <laughs> and I'm not saying that we ever go off the spiritual battlefield. What I'm saying, though, is that there's sometimes where we're just so in the, the, the midst of the walk, the channel, the highway that God has us on, that, I mean, it's just like a lean, mean fighting machine, a smooth sailing ship, and God just got us on that path. And just everywhere you're going, you're just touching lives, and you're prospering, and you're able to bless people. But there's always these different things that the enemy tries to send in. And that's what we got to watch. See, God says, watch the little foxes. Take us the little foxes. And then he says, the little foxes. And see, that caught my eye. First of all, before I, I go into that, I was looking at that word foxes, and it gave me a little clarity. It made me at ease with this passage of Scripture. Because, <laughs> you know, I, like I told you, I said, Lord, I got a problem with that passage of Scripture. I don't like you. I don't like no foxes being a problem. <laughs> Amen. Because we're good people. <laughs> but when I look at the underlying Hebrew... The word foxes actually should be translated as jackals. Now, before we go further, I looked at jackals, some of the definitions about jackals. And what you'll find is that, you know, first of all, jackals are omnivores. And what omnivores are is there's carnivores that eat, just eat meat, and herbivores that just eat plants and stuff like that. But then there's omnivores. See, an omnivore will basically eat everything. I eat fruit, plant. Meat, whatever can fill my belly, I'm going to eat. Amen? And here's the thing. Omnivores not only eat everything, but they're very opportunistic feeders. Amen? See, they'll eat whatever that's around to be consumed. And that's why you've got to watch in your spiritual walk. See, there's some, some jackals around. There's some omnivores in your life. See, you're sitting there on the highway, on the street called straight, trying to do the things of God. And see, they'll try to come in, and they'll try to partake of your stuff. They're not doing the same labors, not doing the same sowing into God's kingdom, but yet they'll say, you know what, I still want a piece of that pie, a piece of that harvest that's coming out in your life. So they'll try to attach themselves to you and get a piece of the pie. 
And I'm not saying that we shouldn't be generous. I'm not advocating us being selfish. But there's certain things that people got to learn and do for themselves. And they shouldn't just be attaching themselves to us. Amen. See, there's certain people God calls us to minister to. Certain people God calls us to meet the needs of. And some people need to stay in that discomfort zone and in that land of misery so they can first repent of their sins, get saved, get healed, delivered, and come out of their muck and mire. So what I'm saying is that we shouldn't necessarily be available for every need that's out there from people surrounding us. Sometimes people are just trying to take advantage of the people of God, but they have no desire whatsoever to become partakers of the nature and the lifestyle of Jesus Christ. Amen? So we need to pray about the sermon. Amen? Discernment about when we operate. Discernment when we're um, getting committed, involved with different things. Another thing we see about omnivores is that they're scavengers, waste pickers, amen? Devourers of corpses or things that are about to perish. Sometimes they'll even intimidate lesser creatures to steal the results of their hunting. You ever think about that sometimes that you're out there doing certain things and you're serving the Lord faithfully and, and people try to intimidate you? to get you to do their bidding or to get something out of you that they desire. See, that's, that's the scavenger spirit that comes in and tries to say, hey, I didn't earn this, I don't deserve this, but you know what? I want it. And if I have to, I'll, I'll put some kind of intimidation into your life to try to extract it out of you, to use fear and intimidation to get you to do the things that you sh- don't want to do, but you're afraid to tell the person no. And sometimes you even know that it's not even a godly thing to do. But those people put so much pressure on you that they'll try to pull it out of you anyway because it's that scavenger-type spirit. Amen? Hallelujah. Jackals, the third thing about jackals is that they are built for endurance. So they're able to patiently wear you down until you're weakened or you just drop from exhaustion. (laughs) Just keep coming and coming and coming, and coming, and you think, if I tell them no five times, that's enough, and they'll be there the tenth time, a hundredth time, a thousandth time. They're just going to keep coming until you, they get their bidding out of you, amen? So what we have to do, though, is to counter that, we have to basically get in the Spirit of God, allow the Holy Spirit to take charge of that situation, amen? Don't allow people to govern you, to control you, to entice you, and to push you to do what they want out of you, amen? We got to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? We, we've given our lives over to Jesus Christ. He's our Lord and Master. Amen? So we shouldn't be submitting ourselves to anything outside of what the Holy Spirit himself is telling us to do. Another thing about jackals is that they are willing to steal the treasures of others, yet they'll de- viciously defend their own territory. <laughs> so just think about that. I'll take your stuff. Well, can I have a little bit of yours? No! And it'll kill you. It'll keep you from getting it. So it's a selfish spirit. I'll take yours and his and a little bit and his and hers and intimidate everybody and manipulate and control people everywhere I go. But don't let nobody come near my stuff. I'll break their necks. Amen? Be the most vicious person. And they'll be just so weak and crying, boo-boo tears and make you feel so sorry to get what they want out of you. But let you get anywhere near their territory. And see the viciousness come out. Amen? See the giant come out of the midget. If you try to get anywhere near anything that they treasure, anything that they prize. The other thing about jackals is that they're very smart, very imaginative. Sometimes they're smart enough that they'll actually lead a more powerful predator towards the prey that they, they desire. Sit back, watch it take the kill, 
and then come and partake the benefits of it. They've actually seen situations where jackals have led a lion over to kill prey. And then, of course, you know, they ain't going to fight the lion, but the lion will, will come in and get his fill, and then they'll come up and get the rest. <laughs> all the work. You're doing the nine-to-five lion, <laughs> chasing down the prey and killing it, and then I'll come through the back door and get my fill off of what's left. So they're lazy and manipulative, amen, but intelligent. So you have to be very careful how they may try to do things to entice you and manipulate you and get you to do all the work, but yet they reap all the benefits of their labors. In other words, take no real effort on their part to do anything. Now, another thing I see, too, they come in different sizes and colorings, amen? They're not all the same. Some are less aggressive than others. Some are heavier than others. But regardless, they're not to be underestimated. Because the funniest thing about them is that the lightest of the species is actually the most aggressive, more quarrelsome than others, and willing to fight prey that is many times its own weight. So you might see that little old petite woman and, oh, she's so sweet. Oh, she couldn't do nothing to manipulate and control and backstab somebody, and she could be the most vicious person around. Amen? That little petite package. And you sitting there worrying about the person that's tall in stature, maybe got the big mouth, maybe seems to have more pull. You're worried about that person the whole time. The person that seems to be small, weak in stature, nothing to concern myself with, and that person the one that takes you out. Amen? Years ago, there was a man named Napoleon. Remember that? He's a petite man almost took over the whole world. So petite don't make weak. Petite don't make weak. So you need to watch that. Amen? So as I said, these are the types of characteristics of jackals. Amen? You may meet somebody that has one characteristic. You might have, find somebody that has a blending of these characteristics. But the fact is, God is warning us. So once again, you may be in a new season where I have you. You may be in the cleft of my protection. You may be doing everything right. But yet, you still need to be aware that there's going to be jackals that are going to try to come in. See, here's the thing that the Lord really allowed me to visualize. As people of God, we're used to the Goliaths coming our way. Amen? He comes in and he defies the armies of the living God. And I dare you to send your champion to, to meet me on the battlefield. We're used to these big giants coming in and attacking us and threatening us. And we get out on the battlefield and engage them in warfare. And we know if we trust in God and we, we, know we do things in the name of Jesus that he gives us victory. But as we're out there fighting the giants in the land, are we letting the jackal slip by? Well, I don't even notice the jackal when I'm staring at a giant. So we have to come to the place now where we say, you know what, it's not just the big battles, but sometimes I got to watch the little things that come in and try to stir the pot or stir the nest. I got to watch the little things that may seem to be a small thing, small in stature, limited in power, but it might be something that by sheer numbers gradually takes enough, enough of my grapes in my vineyard that the next thing you know, I look back, oh, my vineyard is bare. I could have sworn it was vines everywhere, full of grapes. Amen? And now it's stripped bare because you're so busy focusing on the giant that the jackal ran around the back, ran through your legs. You may have even seen him say, oh, he's a cute, oh, a cute little thing. It's so cute. Look at the colors on him. Nice bushy tail. And he's sitting in there taking all your stuff. Amen? So what are some of the jackals that we have to face? Amen? Mark 4, verses 14 through 20 says, The sower soweth the word, and these 
are they by the wayside, where the word is sown, but when they have heard, Satan cometh immediately and taketh the word away the word that was sown in their hearts. And these are they likewise which are sown on stony ground, who when they have heard the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and have no root in themselves, and so endure for a time. Afterward, when affliction or persecution ariseth for the word's sake, immediately they are offended. And these are they which are sown among thorns, such as hear the word, and the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the lusts of other things entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. And these are they which are sown on good ground, such as hear the word, and receive it, and bring forth fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. So we see here that in our faith, we all receive the word, amen? But it's up to each one of us how we receive it, how we apply it, how we hold on to it, amen? We see here that it is the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the lusts of other things that come in and entice us and set us up, whether it's through finances, problems, emotional um, needs or attitudes, or people pulling various stunts that get us off the beaten path and outside the umbrella of God's protection, amen? So that's why he warns us we have to be aware of these things and, and be focused on the fact that the enemy's trying to send things in to entice us, to distract us, and to get us to deviate our eyes off of what God wants us to do and the things that are going to keep us fruitful in this time and season. So I'm not telling us that when the jackals come in that we need to get, get angry and attack and get vicious. What I'm saying is be aware that the attacks may come through these things and be aware that the result that they want to do is to strip your cupboard bare of the things that God has put into your life. If you're going through prosperity right now, the enemy wants to send in stuff that's going to strip you of that. Amen? And we literally saw this this week. When we first started the church, all of a sudden, you know, get a call. Somebody says they have a need. It's like $3,000. I'm like, good God from Zion. Got another situation. Like I said, three checks this week. All of a sudden, get a call 530 at night asking for $500 by the following morning. Do I have an ATM in my navel? And you got to wonder, it's like the Lord blessing, 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 and all of a sudden that inspiration just out of blue, haven't been in my life for years, it just suddenly called me. See, that's the inspiration of a spirit, but ain't the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about haven't spent time with me in years. And just like that, like I said, I have my three days, and I don't think it's a coincidence, three days of receiving checks, and I'm saying, hey, not only meet our financial needs, but God giving money to your kingdom. I'm excited, ready to write that check to bless your kingdom. All of a sudden, this, this phone call just come out of blue. Hey, and I don't, I don't even remember, was it can I have or I need blah, blah, blah by tomorrow morning. Amen? But I'm just like, spirit of the air. Spirit of the air. Just suddenly to make a call like that. Amen? It's then different other things where you're just pursuing and you got the mindset that you're walking in power and authority. And, and then sometimes you get these, these veiled things like, oh, how are you doing? When secretly you discern, like, I'm hoping that the response is you're not doing good. See, these are the, the, the jackals, the different things that try to come in, that try to trip us up and distract us. Amen. See, it wants, the devil wants to use these things to get us so focused on why this person did this and why that person said that and why did this come in when it came in. And boy, why is it so coincidental that this is happening and then all of a sudden that pops up? Amen. Why is all this happening at once? Everything was going so good and all of a sudden, boy, this pops up from five years ago and that came in suddenly and... This suddenly raised this ugly head up over the horizon, and you're wondering why. And see, that's why, though. 
It's the jackals. God is, the, God is protecting you and providing you and nourishing you and got you on the right path and has you focused, but the enemy is sending in these little, little itty-bitty things to distract and take your eyes off the focus of what God has in store for you and ahead of you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Proverbs 12 talks about, in verse 26, The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduceth them. That word seduce means to cause to vacillate, to be indecisive, to lead or cause to go astray or to deceive. So like I said, amen, the attacks, these might not be titanic attacks that come your way to bring you fear and intimidation, have you trembling for your life or wondering, hey, am I going to die from this attack? Am I going to lose my home over this attack? But what these attacks try to do is try to make you indecisive. Well, maybe I shouldn't be doing that after all. Oh, man, was I perceiving this situation the right way? Oh, I wonder why. I mean, they have you all daydreaming all over the place in the spirit. Amen? So all over the place with various things coming from here, the left angle and the right angle, and don't know where this is coming from, that's coming from, that all of a sudden you're saying, like, man, I don't even know what's going on here, and, and I'm under a spirit of confusion. So I was just looking at some of the things that jackals do from the people format. One of the things they might do is have feigned concern while actually hoping that you're not doing well. Another thing is that there might be questions regarding the feasibility of your plans or your outlook on life that are actually meant to discourage you or make you stop doing what you think you're going to do in God. Sometimes you receive compliments that are actually veiled insults intended to catch you off guard or to have you dwelling on what do they actually mean by that. See, you ain't got time for that. See, we're trying to be in a new place. You ain't got time to be thinking about what they meant. You know, if they meant bad, then so be it. Amen. They ain't nothing but a spirit of jealousy anyway. So they can think what they want. They can say what they want. But when, at the end of the day, will it have any bearing on your life? See, the, the question is up to you and I. It only has a bearing if you allow it to have a bearing. Amen? You, that's why in, in Isaiah it told us it's quenched as tow and don't remember the former things and don't consider the things old. In other words, new translation, I ain't studying all that stuff. I ain't studying you. Talk to the hand. Diss them, whatever you got to do. I ain't paying no attention to what people are saying. And Yeah, you can give me a little... Veil compliment, it ain't really a compliment. You could think you pat me on the head because I'm beneath you, but the fact is I'm too busy moving on to even feel the stroke of your hand patting me on my head. Amen? So if you want to pat me on my head or pat me on my back, feeling sorry for me, I guess your hand better be quick because I'm too busy moving in God. Amen? Maybe you'll catch my after image. <laughs> Stop moving too fast. Sometimes you get sudden requests or suggestions that distract you from your current pursuits in God. So you got to be careful that you're not being pulled astray or stretched too thin. I just remember even when we started doing this, all of a sudden, now years and years of being available. As soon as you're basically about to start the church, finally got the place locked in that we're going to come here, all of a sudden, years and years of availability, somebody's inspired. Oh, can you give me one-on-one -on -one mentorship sessions or on sermon preparation? Well, why didn't you ask me that a year ago? Two years ago, I was sitting around all this time. But you're inspired, 
And see, here's the thing. They think they're inspired by the Holy Spirit. Oh, I want to grow more in my faith now. I'll ask a guy to start a church that got location to reserve. Are we going to bring him enough tithes and offering in to cover the place? These are real world issues. What are my sermons going to be to found a church? What is the atmosphere we have for this church? What are we about? Do I have the right equipment? Are we recording? Am I doing this and that? All these different things doing, and you want personal one-on-one mentorship sessions right at that time. So it looks like it might be in the name of God, but it's not. At least not for me, because God's telling me to focus on this right now. So that's why you be, be careful. Even if somebody's pulling at you suddenly inspired to pull on you for something that is of God, because it is good to be mentored in God. In the word of God and sermon preparation and stuff like that. But it don't mean you're the person that's called to do it. Amen. So you got to watch that the enemy ain't inspiring somebody to ask you something that appears to have God in it. But it ain't the God in it for your life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Then it's inconveniences that pull you away from the things that you really need to be focused on. I talked about it before. They make attempts to make you feel guilty for prospering while others are struggling. If you've done the right things in God, why are you going to be apologizing? I ain't making no, apologize, no apologies. I pay my tithes. I study the word. I sacrifice. I get out of my bed to visit people in, in the hospital. And I give money out of my, my pocket to help people when they need. And, and I send money overseas. I do different things for God. So I'm supposed to apologize because maybe I'm bringing in more money than you right now and you don't see, well, how does he deserve that? Well, tough. You want to compare 20-something years in faith? You want to go there? Let's, let's pull out the register, homeboy. Let's go there. Amen? And I ain't even saying that to brag. I'm just saying that if somebody wants to sit there and criticize you and say, well, why do they deserve to get this in God? Well, they need to walk in your shoes and see the lifestyle and see the things that you've done in the kingdom before they start trying to critique who you are, what you're about, and what you deserve. Amen? Praise the Lord. And that's the thing. See, it's always the people that ain't doing anything that want to critique somebody else to feel better about themselves. Well, why they deserve that blessing? They got a new car. I don't have no new car. Well, you ain't tithed in 20 years. You've been in church since you were a newborn. They got, served, they got saved two weeks ago and started tithing. So they got blessed in the new car. You hate them. You got 20 years of revelation that you disobeyed. You going to be mad at somebody two weeks in the Lord that's obedient to God? Get your act together and stop looking at somebody else. Amen? And then finally, attempts to pull you into the chaos of other people's lives. Your life is stable. You being involved in somebody's life is going to bring salvation, healing, deliverance, and other godly things then yes, pray by the Spirit that God would lead you into that, that situation. And if he's truly led you to be in that, that situation, some kind of fruit should come out of it. And I'm not saying it's going to be immediate. Sometimes it's labor. And even as I shared before when I talked about the valley of dry bones, sometimes it takes one person to plant, another person to water, another person to increase. Sometimes it takes one person to take the scattered bones and say, okay, I'll send them to the skeleton, you put the meat on them, you breathe the air, the breath of life into them. Sometimes it's teamwork to do that, and it takes a while, and it's a process. But make sure that God has called you to be in a part of the process that you're involved in. Don't let people threaten and manipulate and control you to get you pulled into their chaos if you're not called to be into it. Because if you're in, in it and God's not in it, all you're doing is pushing yourself and involving yourself in a mess. Amen? And like I said, this ain't the season for that. We ain't got time for that we got so many different good things we could be doing in the kingdom of God. So many different people out there that could be touched. 
for the name of Jesus. That we don't have time for people to play around, people still stuck in the old mentalities of, oh, this is all I have in the Lord, this is all I'll ever have, and then they're mad because you arrive. My thing is, either catch the revelation, catch the coattail, and come with me, or get out of my way. Because i got things to do, people to see, places to go in Jesus. And I don't have time to be held back. So, if you're trainable, faithful, available, teachable, as Pastor Connie used to say, to learn things and, and come up in the Lord, fine. You can get on my coattail, but just don't get in my way. <laughs> you might get God run over. <laughs> in the name of Jesus, be a gospel drive-by running you over. So, you, you know, these things will come. And this is just some samples of how these things will come in and try to influence you, entice you, entangle you, and deceive you, to get you outside of what God has for you. Amen? But you have to be steadfast in your faith, your opinions, and your stance in God, regardless of what people think or threaten to do. Now, in our text scripture, it said, take us the little foxes. In other words, that's saying, seize and hold them in possession. Don't let people's enticements or attitudes or different things come your way to take control over your life and what you do in God. Amen? Don't let them box you in. Don't let them define you. Don't let them hinder you in what you know is right for your life in God. God is saying instead, take us the little foxes. Seize holes of them and take control over them before they can wreak havoc in your life. Matthew eleven twelve says, From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. So it's no surprise when we suffer violence, because that word, that phrase, suffereth violence, means these things are permitted to happen. So these attacks will come. These seductions and enticements will come our way. But he says, even though you'll suffer violence, or be crowded in, or the enemy would try to seize things away from you. But it says that instead of allowing the enemy to squat on your spiritual territory, instead of letting the enemy squeeze you out and suck the life out of you spiritually, he says instead of that, you need to be violent. In other words, you need to be an enforcer of the principles of the kingdom of God. Instead of letting the enemy crowd you in, squat on your spiritual territory, and squeeze the God life out of you, instead, you need to flex your spiritual arms, get out in that battlefield and say, see, you mess with the wrong person today, devil. You need to go to one of those Christians that we talked about earlier. The ones that aren't doing anything, the ones that are jealous of everybody, the ones that are eyeing people and saying, oh, why are they getting blessed? You need to go mess with one of them. Because today, you picked on somebody that's out and about trying to do the things of God. And instead of being crowded and squeezed out, now, since you mess with me, I'm going to expand the bounds of my, my habitation. I'm going to step out even further on the battlefield. And not only am I going to have the, the harvest of the things that are currently in my possession, in my sphere of influence, but now... I'm stepping out into greater horizons and starting to affect more people and starting to gain more ground for God's kingdom. Amen? Praise the Lord. So energetic enforcers. Instead of being squeezed out, we're flexing our muscles spiritually, and now we're squeezing ourselves into the devil's turf. Amen? Now he's finding himself, his possessions being squatted on. You know, he thought that school was his, and now you're in there affecting people for God. He thought that he had that family, you know, destined for eternal damnation. Now you're on that turf, ministering them in the name of Jesus Christ, and they're getting saved, healed, and set free by the power of God. You're squatting on the enemy's turf and taking back land and spoil from his territory instead of losing spoil to his kingdom. Amen? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. So you got a choice. 
either take hold, I'm sorry, I missed the phrase, the violent take by force. It means to seize, pluck, or snatch away by force. In other words, you ain't being friendly with the devil. You ain't sitting there, oh, devil, if you don't mind, when I pray for healing, can their toenail get healed today? That, that little hangnail there? It ain't real healing. Just a hangnail in Jesus' name today. Instead, you're going in and saying, no, okay, they want me to pray for the hangnail. I discern by the Spirit of God that there's a tumor in their chest. In the name of Jesus, be healed. Boom. So you go beyond what the enemy's thinking you're allowed to do. You take it by force. In other words, you don't ask the enemy, can I have this land? Can I have this person's life? Can I have that healing manifest in their life? Instead, you tell the enemy, I'm here to take it, and you ain't got to like me. Amen? So you're going in as an enforcer of the kingdom. See, here's the thing. When you know you're an enforcer, you're serving God and spirit and truth, what do you have to fear? Amen? What do you have to fear? The winds and waves? Disease? I mean, just different things? You have nothing to fear. I just remember that. It just coming, The Lord brought back my attention. Years ago, I was working up in Trenton, and this woman went from, she had told us earlier, and she had HIV. She had just contracted as far as she knew, or well, she just got a report of it. And she was just so scared at that time. I mean, you heard HIV, AIDS, it's just like nobody will come near you. It ain't like now where you play basketball, you swim with people, and you got precautions and stuff. But in this day and age, it's not a death sentence, and it's not, you're not a leper to society if you have a pronouncement that you have AIDS. So we went back into the back office, she told us. I was like, I ain't scared of no AIDS. So what? What's AIDS with me? So we wrapped our arms around her, kissed her on the cheeks, and led her to the Lord in the name of Jesus. Amen? And this was back in the time that they, they didn't know. They're like, shoot, you might kiss somebody. Or you, somebody's sweating. You get a little so absorbed. They're sweating your hand. You might have AIDS. I mean, they know. I wrapped my arms around that woman, gave her a kiss on the cheek. And when they called her, they called, uh, I think it was months after or about a year later, and the kids were like, she's in the hospital. It's full-blown AIDS, and she, it's looking bad. And, you know, I immediately told Pam, and Sister Kathy was alive at the time, and everybody, all the prayer warriors were just ready to go, just immediately on the battlefield, praying in the Spirit for this woman. And, I, you know, I remember praying. I was like, Lord, I was like, Sharon gave her life to you. And I said, she is not going out like this. I said, she might go out, but she's going out in glory. She is not going out like this because her kids said she has, spirit, she has dementia. She don't even know us. woman got, I think it was six kids, but she don't even recognize us. Wide awake, looking at us, don't know none of us. Amen? I was like, she is not going out like this as a child of God. But that's the thing. See, it's the attitude. If I went in there, oh, Jesus, if you could, maybe you touch her. Lowly old me, I know ain't nothing I could do. I kind of trust your word. Healing might be for today. So if you will, Lord, touch that poor woman. You know, I didn't do that. I was like, no, she is not going out like this. Amen? And, we, you know, we pray, I prayed all the way in the car. Pam was praying, Sister Kathy praying. You may, I mean, you may have been praying. I mean, we just, like, called everybody we could. So you may have been praying. So anyway, we're praying, and I get there in the room, and in the emergency room, and the first son comes out once I'm there. He's crying, shaking his head. She didn't even know me. Next kid goes in. And before the third kid could go in, I was like, I'm going in next. I was like, I'm, I'm amped up. I'm ready to fight now. Come on. When that bell going to ring? I'm all agitated. I'm rocking my seat. I'm ready to fight the devil. Come on. And um, the second kid comes out. She didn't know me. And I was about to say, look, I hate to be rude, but I'm going next. And I know there's four more kids to go, but I'm next. I know it's your mama, but y'all got to step back because I'm tired of the devil. 
So fortunately, before I even get to that point of possibly being rude to them, they say, Minister Foss, would you, go, would you like to go next? I say, sure. So I get up. Now here I am, I'm praying, Pam's praying, Sister Kathy's praying, all these people on the prayer network are praying, and I'm praying in the emergency room. I was like, yeah, I'm about to bust him up. I'm going to bust him up when I get in there. So I walk down the hall, come in there, pull back the curtain. She sits right up. Hey, Brian, how you doing? Now this is a woman that had dementia, didn't know her own kids, sat up. Hey, Brian, how you doing? See, the Spirit of God and all, from all the prayers of the saints had preceded me. Where I didn't have to lay hands and, in the name of Jesus and bind you, Satan. I mean, I had to do none of that. See, just, just the word alone, going forth in faith, believing God for a miracle, just my presence coming to that room, bam. The woman just sat up. Hey, Brian, how you doing? So I talked to her, ministered for a while, hugged her, kissed her. And then when I left out, I was still so fired up that as I was passing through, there's another curtain. And crazy as I am, it didn't even occur to me. This woman could be butt naked behind that curtain. But I was, I'm fired up in the Lord now. So I just walk up. I see the curtain. I'm like, Psh. I said, hey, you want me to pray for you? <laughs> and she said, but I'm Jewish. I said, I don't care. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I start praying for the world. I don't care. I'm fired up now. Shoot. I'm busting the devil. I'm ready for round two. See, it's like Lay's potato chips, man. When you're out there moving and flowing in the Spirit of God and you're meeting needs according to the Spirit of God, you ain't trying to let that stop. It's like Lay's potato chips, amen? It's like warm, warm, soft chocolate chip cookies. Mmm. It's good. It's like that Tyson chicken, the fried chicken we had. You eat it and it's like, ooh, man, I know I'm full, but man, I want some more, amen? <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we have to be in a place where we want to take it by force. So you've got a choice. Either take hold of these subtle, subtle influence of these little jackal spirits that are coming in here. And these jackal people that are trying to intimidate you and push you outside of where God wants you. Or you could take them yourself. Amen. Realize that they can only strip you of your strength if you allow it to happen. But if you're focused and you're determined and you're standing upon the word of God. Amen. And let that be your answer to everybody that questions you and what you're doing and why you're doing it then you can just keep moving on in God. Amen? Now, you'll notice in the text scripture that it says, God says, take us to foxes, but he then says again, oh, let, me re- let me correct that. He said, take us to jackals, the little jackals. And I just thought, you know what? There must be some reason why he said that twice. And then when he said it the second time, he emphasized the little foxes. Amen? Or jackals. <laughs> That word little means to be diminutive in quantity or size, age, or importance. So in other words, you might look at it and you're like, oh, that's not a threat. It's small. It's old. It can't possibly have power over somebody as vibrant, energetic, and strong as I am. Look at it. You know, look at it in comparison to me. But what he's warning is that don't look at things according to the eye or according to the initial perceptions or over a superficial view. Don't evaluate and consider that the threat alert or the color light of the threat margin according to what you're seeing in the obvious. They may seem to be an innocent or small threat, but if you allow them to have place in your life, God is showing us that they can still spoil you. Amen? And like I said earlier, you're more likely to keep your eyes on the big things, the big problems, the big struggles, and the big attacks and taunts of the enemy than you are on the little things that 
slipping through the cracks. Amen? But what we need to be aware of is that even though they're little, if you keep letting them trickle through, they still have the power that at some point you can look back and say, man, how did I lose all that stuff? Amen? So they might be small in stature, but sometimes small things got big attitudes. Like I said, Napoleon almost took over the whole world. And the thing is, if you look at yourself small in your own sight, you'll be small in their sight. So that's why we have to basically take our eyes off of them and how they look, take our eyes off of stuff and how we think we look, and instead, how does God say we look? Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, I'm going to make it quick. There's four words that I want to share. He talks about jackals spoiling our vineyards. Amen? The word spoil means to wind tightly. In other words, it gets you all wrapped up and entangled. Strapped up so much that it's like a straight jacket, or you're stumbling over yourself, or maybe you're stuck in one position. If a thief comes into a house, ties you up in a chair, gags your mouth, you can't move. Amen? Enemy, one of the things he'll try to do with you when he spoils you is that he'll try to wrap you up, get you so wound up. Maybe he'll get you so wound up in a situation that you should not be in that you find it hard now to dig yourself out. So this is the warning God has for us. Be aware of his situations or people, things that will try to tie, tie you up, wrap you up, get you so entangled that you can't get out of it. The word tells us, amen, that we're supposed to stand fast in the liberty wherewith God, Christ has made us free. Amen? Galatians 5. Keep ourselves free, liberated, and don't be entangled again, it says, in the yoke of bondage. That word entangled again with, that phrase I mean, it means to be held in, to be ensnared, to keep a grudge, or have a quarrel with. So see, one of the ways in which the enemy will try to do it, he'll try to bring in these little petty grievances with other people. And next thing you know, you're all tied up. This person's mad at me, and now that person's mad at me by association because I'm a friend of that person, and anybody messes with that person, and I'm mad at them too. And next thing you know, you're all entangled in this whole bunch of mess that wasn't even worth it. Amen? So he tells us, be careful not to be entangled again with a yoke of bondage, but to keep ourselves liberated in Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah. Galatians 2.4, it talks about false brethren unawares are brought in who came privately to spy out our liberty. So people might actually spy out your liberty and say, man, well, why are they so free and easygoing? And everything just seems so pleasant in their life. And they're sitting and observing it, not so that they can, they can mimic it in their own lives, but they're trying to spy it out, figure it out, so they can find out a way to entangle you and pull you down into bondage. So we have to be careful that people may even have the, the, the facade that they look righteous and that they're serving God and they're saying the right things, but they might be examining our lives to try to see ways that they can undermine us or entangle us for their own ends. Amen? We have to be very careful of that. Um, one another word, the, the word spoil means also is to bind, specifically by a pledge. To bind by a pledge. And that reminds me of Proverbs chapter 6 where it talks about, my son, if, you be, if you're a surety for a friend... It basically warns you, I'm paraphrasing, that as long as, as you abound yourself to somebody to be a guarantee for them, especially you shouldn't have been in that situation, as long as you have put that obligation out there, you're basically in a form of bondage until you separate yourself from that situation. So best thing to do is to prevent yourself from being entangled in the situation in the first place. 
In other words, pray and see what you should be committing yourself and involve yourself with before you put your mouth behind it. Because once you start putting guarantees out there, and see, here's the thing. You may be a surety for somebody in one time of season, but they may say, you know what, every time I'm in a mess, I go there and they're my bailout plan. Well, first of all, I ain't Obama. I don't have no bailout plan for you economically, spiritually, whatever. Spiritually, Jesus is your bailout plan. So if they, got a, they need a bailout, they need some kind of remedy to their situation, they need a savior, whatever it may be, amen? He is the one that's called to be the bailout plan. And see, it's sometimes the very situations that are troubling these people that are the ones that lead them into salvation. And by us stepping in and saying, every time they get in trouble, I'm the, the trouble fixer, I'm the repairer, I'm the mender of the breach, I'm their personal savior. By you doing that, sometimes you're preventing them from getting the full brunt of what it takes to push them over to accept Jesus Christ as Lord, Lord and Savior. Some people only accept Jesus when they're at their wit's end, hanging on for dear life by their fingernails. So you think you're helping them. Oh, well, I know I shouldn't bail him out of jail one more time, but, but he's in trouble. He's, he's troubled, and he never had this or that. And If I just do it one more time, and everything will be fine. Well, maybe it's the jail that's going to straighten him out. Well, if I pay this bill for them this time, then they won't get evicted or they won't have their lights turned off. Or Sometimes that's very motivating. Pain can be a very motivating thing sometimes, amen? The pain of my college years is one of the things that made me what I am, amen? I went through a lot of pain. I had two parents die on me. My mother died the first semester of my senior year. But it was the pain of being parentless that made me stop drinking, made me stop sleeping around, and all these different things I were doing. And matter of fact, it set the stage for me to be ready to meet Pam the following semester. Amen? So if I didn't have to... <laughs> Praise the Lord. So pain is good sometimes. See, that's the thing. Everybody wants to avoid pain. Sometimes pain is very good and very motivating. Amen? If you don't have pain, there's people that don't have neurological problems where they don't feel pain. They can stick their hand down on a fire on the stove and burn that thing right on off. And if they don't smell it, they wouldn't feel a thing to warn them that I'm in danger and I'm harming my body. So we always think because we want things so easy, we think, oh, anytime there's pain, it has to be absolutely avoided. You got to get away from it as easy as you can. And God help me if these Christian people, you know, calling themselves Christians don't help me when I'm in my time of pain. Amen? Maybe you need your, the pain to get you to the right place. Maybe it's the hand of God that's pulling back the protection to say, I love them, I treasure them, I want them in my kingdom, but the only thing that's going to get them there is to get them the lowest pit possible and the pain that's going to finally make them cry out for me as, as their Lord and Savior. Amen? So by us getting in the way and always saving people, when we're not called to, you may actually be hindering their salvation. Amen? Praise the Lord. We may help somebody sometime, but we shouldn't always just jump to help people all the time. And see, I'll admit, that's a hard thing for me. I'm a very helpful person. I'm the kind of person, I drive by the road, see my, some, a car broke down, I'm ready to pull over and help them. I'm going down 295. I'll see a, a woman broken down in a car on 295. Somebody else, it might be 100 cars pass by. Could care less, AAA. I drive by the next 15 minutes. Dang, I should have pulled over. I wonder if I can get to the next exit, turn around, and they still be back. And I, I mean, it bothers me. I, I like to help people. The thing I learned, though, is that I can't always be Superman for everybody. Sometimes I got to sit back and let Jesus the Savior come in and take care of that situation. Amen? 
Praise the Lord. Final one we'll look at. Oh, to pervert or destroy the fruit of your vineyard. Amen. Is another thing they want that they sometimes do. And finally, you can just write that down. To pervert or destroy the fruit of your vineyard. And that's sometimes that'll happen by people questioning your reputation. Why are you doing things? Or why are you not doing things? Basically, why are you not doing what I expect you to do in this situation? That's the way they try and tangle you. Hallelujah. And the final one, to spoil, is to cause to writhe in pain. Especially in the act of giving birth. In other words, they'll try to make your labor in God. Amen. The birth pangs of the new ministry or the new opportunities that God has in store for you, they'll basically make your, your labor pains worse. Or they'll try to stop, um, b- d- um, delay, or totally abort the birth that God's trying to bring forth in your life. So you've got to be very careful that these things don't do that. Amen. Praise the Lord. All right, I'm going to close now. Let's just um, all rise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.